Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Daily Tech News Show is powered by you. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, June 6, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From beautiful downtown Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And our producer, Roger Chang, is biding his time in the valley. Biding? It's not <laughs> at all beautiful outside. It's still overcast. But the uh, the advantage is it's much cooler than it was. If you bide your time long enough, what happens? The June gloom goes away. Ah, I yes. see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Sonos thing. We're going to talk about some Microsoft announcements from Computex. But let's start with a few other tech things you should know. As Tom mentioned, Sonos had an announcement today. The Sonos Beam is a compact home theater speaker that supports Amazon voice services at launch and Apple's AirPlay 2 starting in July. $399 available for pre-order now, shipping July 17th. We're going to talk a little bit more about this and what it means for the larger voice assistant platform a little later. Indeed we will. Apple's AirPods will get support for live listen. When it arrives in iOS 12, Live Listen is designed to work with made-for-iPhone hearing aids. It can stream microphone audio from the phone to the hearing aid and now to AirPods as well. AMD announced the second gen of the Threadripper processors. It will include a model with four 8-core Ryzen dies combined into one monstrous 32-core part capable of handling 64 processing threads with double the cores of the previous Threadripper and outdoing those 28 Intel announced yesterday. AMD says it will still fit in the same motherboard socket as the last gen. Uh, It'll be built on a 12-nanometer process and available in Q3. Lenovo announced the modular Z3 Play in Brazil Wednesday has a 6-inch 2160 by 1080 18x9 screen with a fingerprint reader on the side. The Z3 Play will sell bundled with either a speaker or battery module for $499 starting this summer. But that's not what people want to talk about. They want to talk about Facebook giving data to China. Right, Scott? Uh, That's my understanding. Facebook says Yahweh, Lenovo, Oppo, and TCL. 
all used its API that stored Facebook user data and data of friends on devices. Facebook says the API did not allow data to be stored on device maker servers and restricted uh, who else could or what else could be done with it. The New York Times reported Sunday that Apple, Amazon, BlackBerry, Microsoft, and Samsung all use the API as well. Facebook said the API was needed before apps were widespread to allow Facebook functions in device operating systems, and it used its use has just dwindled over time. Uh, it promised to wind down Yahweh's use of the API by the end of the week. 60 companies worldwide took advantage of the API, and Facebook says more than half of them have stopped. So this was like well before apps were as capable, and certainly the operating systems they were installed on were as capable of what Facebook needed. And now it's going away. Yeah, I, I don't want to sound like a Facebook apologist here, but this is different than Cambridge Analytica. Right. Uh, what happened here was Facebook basically allowed a built-in app of sorts and said, hey, device makers, you run an Android or you run an iOS, we will let you have access to some of the data that is needed to make Facebook work. And among that data is data from your friends because you want to have some of your friends' local contacts stored just like you would in the app. I mean, in a way, the app does this too. It stores your local information on the device. It just stores it under Facebook's control in the Facebook app. This data was stored under the operating system's control. So technically, it is not under Facebook's control. And that's what has everybody so upset. Senators are posturing now and calling for Facebook to come back to Congress, uh, accusing them of hiding this, saying you gave data to Chinese companies and you didn't tell us. Uh, And again, I'm not telling you whether to say this is right or wrong, but know that this is very different than uh, we collected data and gave it to Huawei. This was we allowed their devices to access our API, which and APIs need to access data in order to operate. You still had to be logged in and users were under were had control over the data the way they would in the app so it's a little bit of a different scenario however the other side of this is that facebook wasn't in direct control because the it gave the operating system these hooks into the api so nefarious things conceivably could have happened facebook says it didn't and they were so restricted that it wouldn't have happened but you know there are still some questions there sure right, the way i look at this is uh like much of technology there's it's an iterative work, and sometimes you do stuff to make things work that you would never use in a modern context. The only thing I would say is maybe Facebook could have, could have cleared the air during those conferences and just said, uh, for example, back in the day, we had this API that is in very little use now. And I think they just didn't know. consider it to be data sharing. They, right. they considered it to be like an app. And, and now that people are looking at it, they're like, well, I guess it's not exactly like an app, but yeah. Complicated. Yeah. Uh, Cisco's Talos security team discovered that the VPN filter malware uh, that was thought to be a minor problem is a bigger problem. It uses something called an Essler module, S-S-L-E-R, to inject malicious payloads into traffic coming through an infected router. The malware can capture passwords, send them to botnet servers. It can strip away secure connections and modify page content. One example given in an Ars Technica article by Dan Gooden uh, was modifying a bank's page to display your normal balance in order to hide that the botnet was removing funds from the account. 
Yeah. Dirty. That's a possibility. They're not saying it did happen, but it could. Also, a packet sniffer module uh, was discovered that specifically looks for industrial control systems at specific IP addresses. VPN filter targets almost all the routers. I'm just not even going to bother to name them. There's very few that aren't targeted, and the ones that aren't named might also be targeted. About 200,000 routers worldwide are estimated to actually be at risk. Most of them are in Ukraine, and the fixes vary by router. Now, the FBI told people to just reboot the router because that, in many cases, flushes it out, but it doesn't always. Uh, Some have to be factory reset. Others need to have new firmware installed. So you should find out from your router maker what you need to do just in case. Have we all factory reset our routers? I have. I've got one on the list. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You should should check with the router maker to find out what they say about VPN filter and then do that. (laughs) Everybody should do that. I did it to a a gigabit switch I have. Um, Uh Uh-huh which as far as I know was not targeted is not any of those things, but I think it's just a safe thing to do. Absolutely. Here's the bonus of it. Doing that uh, actually sped up my network. So I can't explain that. I don't know why that happened. You should be updating the firmware regularly on your router anyway. So just use this as a good excuse to go check in and make sure. True. I think a lot of people, this is a great point, Tom. I think a lot of people look at their router and go, Oh, this is like a refrigerator. It's just, I have, you plug into it. It spreads things out. Like they don't think of it as, like a phone or something where they need to be up to date on the latest security measures. And that's kind of a, a problem. So maybe that's the good that'll come out of this. We'll all be motivated to, to keep better track of our router st- uh, situation. We mentioned this uh, when the story broke, gosh, two weeks ago now, I guess it was that the fact that so many of the routers are uh, centered in the, in Ukraine is probably indicative of no one's necessarily looking at, any of our data, right? So you, we obviously want to be protected, but the fact that this could be a state-sponsored attack on a particular country based on issues with another country, that is the bigger story. Yeah. yeah. Use it as an excuse to reboot and update. Factory reset. God love it. Reuters sources say that ZTE has reached an agreement to lift the U.S. ban on buying from U.S. suppliers, which has caused ZTE to cease major operations. The deal supposedly includes a $1 billion fine plus $400 million in escrow to cover any future violations. The U.S. Commerce Department says no definitive agreement has yet been signed, but they seem to be moving towards one. There's all kinds of political directions and economic directions to go with this story. I I think the reason we're continuing to follow it here is ZTE won't be making new phones. uh, And that impacts large parts of the world. ZTE might not be able to continue to update its phones if it can't stay in business, which impacts even more people in the world. So it's important to follow this and know whether they're going to get back into major operations again. And it looks like they will. It looks like this was in some sense a negotiating tactic on the part of the u.s to strong arm zte into agreeing to some terms paying some fines and and keep them on the straight and narrow if you if you recall what they were in trouble for was being accused of sharing technology with iran in violation of prohibitions against that so uh the the u.s department of commerce taking a hard line wanting to in in their way of looking at it teach zte a lesson well, you're right about all the the angles people are taking on it. I mean, my impression just looking at it, this is just from knowing how big the mobile business is across the world and how it is, you know, this was the cash cow for the last 10 years and moving forward. 
one point or one billion in fines and then this four hundred million in escrow seems small to me. And I and that's just because I'm conditioned lately to think that every, the the mobile business is nothing but money pouring out of everything, and it just seems small to me. So so that I, there's I just think there's so many different angles on this, and so much of it is is um, just what is this business now and and who you know. yeah exactly and yeah and how do you arrive at these numbers it's like zte had a seven-year ban zt you know for u.s suppliers um supplying parts to zte the zte says we effectively are done we can't do this anymore the u.s says okay well let's think of some sort of trade agreement that might make sense for us but yeah how how do we arrive at that number because i agree with you scott on terms like these it does seem small yeah seems little to me for that industry anyway. Hey, look, Facebook announced on Wednesday it would offer news programs from various publishers this year. That's 2018, everybody, on its watch platform, including shows hosted by Anderson Cooper of CNN. I think he's a robot, but that's got nothing to do with this story. <laughs> Shepard Smith on Fox News, also a robot. <laughs> uh, the shows would be original to Facebook and would launch in the coming months uh, with ad breaks, said Campbell Brown, Facebook's head of global news partnerships. Now, what do you have against Jorge Ramos? It's because you I don't think he's a robot that you didn't want to mention him because he's from Univision. He's going to be on there, too. Zero, zero problem with Jorge Ramos of Univision. I completely just skipped the line to my eyeball. But yes, all three of them. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, uh, I actually am looking forward to this. I want to see what this is. I want to see what they do. Uh, see if it's any good. I like that it kind of spans the perceived spectrum of cable news networks. I don't really watch cable news, but I want to see what this is, what the tone of it is, what the coverage is. Like, what is this going to actually look like and sound like? And the fact that it's not a Facebook production is interesting to me. Yeah. You know, I don't watch cable news much either, Scott, but I do. I have been watching Facebook's watch initiative, if you can call it that, because mm-hmm. A lot of us, either directly or indirectly, have kind of watched uh, some series try to launch on that platform and kind of wondered, what's this going to be? Because um, that was last year, and it was, yeah, I don't know, a, a little bit um, unclear what Watch was going to be. In the, in the sense of Facebook saying, all right, we want credible journalists who are respected, you know, on, on many platforms, um, but political platforms, rather, and... We think that this is the best way for exclusive content to Facebook. You know, that someone like Anderson Cooper, if you happen to be a fan of his or Jorge Ramos or uh, um, um, Shepard Smith or whoever, then, yeah, I mean, I'm at least going to, you know, check in with that and see if it feels different than what I think a lot of people are already really um, have have become tired of, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the in the general cable sense yep i don't watch univision uh and uh, so i can't really say but i have no use for seeing cnn msnbc or fox news anyway putting it on facebook ain't gonna make it better for me that's but what those, if it those was who follow patreon was... uh and get the alternatom takes there's a little alternatom coming out there well that's but but what if it was okay let's say you don't like a you know whatever the, the Anderson Cooper show is 360 or whatever it's called um but if it's something very different on the Facebook platform It's still him from that outlet. True. I got no what, use for those. What if it's mm-hmm. something I am I'm, I'm with Put Sarah. it on Facebook doesn't change who's doing it. Do you not like but so if, But if the content is different Why would it be different? 
Well, it's like saying, oh, if I Sarah Lynn does a tech news show, if she does any other show, it's just going to be the same show. Yeah, it's but like, this is not a different true. show. This is the news. This is a news show. Just They're just streaming it on Facebook. I need to see it. I'm, I'm with Sarah on this. I think I need to see it first uh, before I can say. Cause I think I'm, there are way better outlets for news than than these. I completely. Well, you heard it here. Tom does not want to watch Facebook. <laughs> TV news. TV news in America is useless to me. They have a chance to do something maybe different. I'm not saying they're going to. I'm just Mm. saying they have a chance to. So Mm. let's see what they do. All right. Uh, Hey, it's time to play my favorite game. Which Microsoft announcement do you find more interesting? All right. Here's the first announcement. Microsoft announced Windows collaboration displays at Computex which is somewhere between a Surface Digital Hub and a monitor. It's not qu- quite a full touchscreen. It has to be connected to a Windows PC, but it's more than a monitor because it uses Azure IoT spatial intelligence. Microsoft says it could adapt to heating, cooling, booking of the room. It can all be adapted using a little bit of AI. Uh, Sharp and Avacor are building them. Okay, before you react, here's the other announcement. Microsoft also announced it brought a new data center online called the Northern Isles, located... Under the Sea, near Orkney and Shetland in Scotland. It's called Project Natic, researching energy efficiency. Now, previously, Project Natic ran a data center off the central coast of California for 105 days. That was just to see if it was possible. Northern Isles is going to test if it's practical. It's a small data center, 40 feet long, 12 server racks, 864 servers. But if this works, they say if this can work in the Northern Sea, It'll work anywhere. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Wow. So we're supposed to tell you which story we like better. Yes. I'm going to go with under Shetland myself, because why does a data center need to be under the ocean? Uh, Cooler. 
Okay. And, and making it more energy efficient. Sure. Sure. But, but, but all the other complexities that come with it, I love this. I think more things should be underwater, but yeah, that's, that, that, that's the, that's the wow story of the two for me. Scott. I think there's a more practical usage for the first story, but the other one is probably more interesting. And look, the quicker humans evolve gills and an ability to breathe <laughs> underwater, the quicker we get to water world. And I, and I'm famously Microsoft for- close yeah. to naming Ariel as the new head of data centers. <laughs> I like it, but it's, it is interesting. Like water taking advantage of water in this way is kind of interesting. I, I dread the day when one of those things has like a, a pressure implosion and we blow server crap all over the ocean. Like we don't have <laughs> enough crap in the ocean, but sure. Why not? If we're, if we're going to have I don't a water know if that's thing. how servers work, but okay. Right. I get and where you're going. Yeah, maybe living in California, you know, I, I'm at the point where I'm like, well, what about the huge earthquake that ruins the data center? It's like, well, maybe, maybe that, that area of the world does not have. There's been a data problems. spill off the coast of Orkney. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ones and zeros. Poor seagulls are just covered in data. Yeah. What would you rinse off a seagull? A whole bunch of helpful uh, paper clips that are asking you if you need help doing a thing. Yeah. Uh, defrag. <laughs> defrag the seagulls. Uh, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. Available on the Amazon Echo, Google Home, and the Anchor app. That's dailytechheadlines.com. I'm sorry, you had me at defrag the sequence. <laughs> really good. Uh, the Sonos Beam soundbar, $399. You can pre-order it right now, shipping July 17th. Different than the Sonos Playbase and Playbar. Those are its other soundbar surround sound speakers that sit in front of your TV. Those are bigger, and they don't have voice activation. The new Beam is only 25 inches across, and the Beam is different than the Sonos One, which is their other voice-activated speaker, but that one is not a soundbar. This one sits in front of your TV. It provides a full range uh, of uh, four woofers, one angled on each end and two front-facing, a single tweeter in the middle, three passive radiators, and they say you could add a pair of Sonos Ones and a Sonos Sub to build out a 5.1 surround sound system. So they're like, you could start with this and build out if one or not. So, Sarah, you own the Sonos One, right? I have two of them, actually. And it was funny. My first reaction to this was, wait a second. Okay, so it's a soundbar, but it's kind of like a Sonos one. And they say that uh, Amazon's assistant is built in, but there'll be others, you know, working on Google's and AirPlay 2 functionality coming soon. I was like, this is exactly like the Sonos one. But as you mentioned, it is designed to be in conjunction with a television. The sound is different. It's a, you know, it's, I don't know, for anybody has a soundbar or knows what they look like, you know, it's, 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 it's designed to basically uh, take uh, the replacement of a 3.1 system with you have limited space. Yeah, or, or, it, it yeah, just, just makes it easy, puts them yeah, and exactly. it does virtual surround. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And so for me, I was like, eh, I wouldn't want this. However, once I was like, Oh, wait a second, because my Sonos ones have great sound quality. I do believe that if you really, really care about sound quality, you need to get the Sonos Sub, which is a separate purchase. But with those and this uh, Sonos Beam, I could effectively replace a very large, lovely, but but uh, clunky and kind of uh, uh, antiquated um, uh, Barrows and Wilkins speaker system that I have now and save a lot of space. Yeah. 
I Scott, want one. You, you, I want you're one. like, I just want one. I totally do. I mean, I the problem with me and Sonos has always been they're just a little pricey, and and when I start looking at competition. I'll make concessions for a lower price and stuff like this. And I think it's because more and more I'm kind of consuming content with headphones on and I'm just like not in front of a TV as much as I used to be. So it's not a priority for me. So I can go, yeah, I'll just buy this cheap off the shelf Samsung combo TV speaker thing and, and I'll do okay for a hundred bucks versus the, you know, I guess three ninety nine or whatever this thing is. So my point is, yes, I want one. Now, I don't one- one thing to keep in mind is this uses HDMI for the audio. It does not use optical audio. It does not use component audio, goodness sake. Uh, uses HDMI, hoping that you'll have a TV with audio return channel in the HDMI spec. This is going to be confusing. Arc supposedly recognizes a speaker and sends sound to it. That's the way it works. But if your TV supports it is a question. Uh, Sonos told The Verge about 80% of new TVs will automatically detect an ARC speaker and start sending sound to it. Uh, if they don't, you can usually go into settings and turn it on. But not all the HDMI ports might be ARC. So you'd have to know which one is ARC and then plug it into that one and then maybe go into settings. It's not for everybody going to be just plug it in and it works. Now, they are providing a converter for you to use optical audio, but that's not, that's going to lose a couple of the features. The reason they're doing HDMI is this allows the voice activation for you to say, turn on the TV, turn off the TV, because it can use the consumer electronics control, the CEC, to use the voice activation to control the television. They also say the voice activation ought to work with something like the Fire TV to launch apps and stuff like that. But it's only one port. They don't want to be your HDMI switcher. They're trying to future-proof themselves. So that's something to keep in mind. The other thing is they're getting AirPlay 2 in July. Uh, so you will be able to use it with Siri, kind of, through your iPhone or your iPad. Uh, they're doing something called continuity of control, where if you start music and then walk out of the room uh, or, or leave the house, it'll still play. Uh, and if somebody else starts music with, let's say they have title and you don't, and they start title songs, you can still go into the Sonos app and pause it. And at $399, it's the same price as the Google Home Max. It's 50 bucks more than the HomePod, but it also works as a sound bar. So it has more utility than them. Dieter Bone points this out on the Verge story. And because Sonos is trying to mediate between all these different ecosystems, it works with more services than either of those. They, are, they say they're going to have Google Assistant available by the end of the year. What do you guys think of them trying to be the platform that says, use whatever voice system you want, we'll support it? I think that's great as soon as I get something besides what Amazon is offering. That was part of the reason that uh, I liked the idea of the Sonos, even though I, that, that Google Assistant was not um, available when I bought them. But mm-hmm. that was a promise of it. And Siri was sort of vaguely mentioned as like, yeah, we'll figure that out too. But yeah, I mean, a platform agnostic assistant speaker slash soundbar slash whatever, as long as it sounds good and and I have more options, I, I would pay more for that for sure. Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm not, I'm sorry, Scott, go ahead. I was just going to say my, the biggest selling point is that for me, interoperability with other services, being third-party agnostic is enormous. So if I am in the market for something like this, that plays a huge role for me. Uh, even if they don't have some of it quite figured out or they haven't integrated everything yet, 
Um, the promise of that is uh, is a good, strong reason why I would consider this over the competition. One of the other questions I had was for ARC, Audio Return Channel, which, uh, as you mentioned, Tom, is this is the HDMI port has to be uh, ARC compliant. I have no idea if I have an ARC compliant HDMI port in my television, which is less than 10 years old. But you probably do. But I don't. I don't know. I've never actually had to think about that before. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, depending on how widespread this was ten years ago, probably not. There, you know, that's that's something to consider as well, unless you're upgrading your television. Yeah, so a lot of people are just going to plug this in, and Sonos is counting on it just working most of the time. But some people are going to have to pull out their manuals, uh, and 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 that's something Sonos is avoiding. It's why they don't want to be an HDMI switcher. It's why they don't want a daisy chain and let you mm-hmm. plug a device into that that then sends the, the sound through because that's more to fail. I get that. I get why they're not being an HDMI switcher for your other devices. Uh, I think that's kind of smart, but it does cause this other complexity and they're gambling that enough people have newer televisions that it won't matter. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Before we get out of here, let's see what's in the mailbag. Let's do it. Michael in sunny and hot North Texas writes, uh, last Friday's DTNS, Tom asked if listeners actually wanted to hear about rumors and speculation. This was in reference to us saying, hey, we're going to talk about WWDC on Monday once we hear the keynote rather than talk about all the rumors beforehand and just save ourselves some trouble. He says, release dates, announcement dates, and pretty much confirmed features. Yeah, hearing about those can be beneficial. They've unfortunately been times when I've bought a phone only to find out later that the next version was announced a day or two later. Would have liked to know about that beforehand. He says... Notch or no notch, how tall the notches in millimeters, camera megapixels, colors. Yeah, if this was an Android-specific show or Apple-specific show or some other specific show, sure, that'd be appropriate. But if sources seem to all be pointing to a new iPhone being announced on July 5th, yes, Michael says, please share that. I I like this. This is reasonable. It's saying like, yeah, uh, tell me when there's going to be an announcement and give me a, a rough idea of what to expect so I don't go buy the old iPhone right before the new one comes out or the old Galaxy S right before the new one comes out. And I think we do that because the announcements are rumors. The announcements are usually fact, right? We say, oh, the announcement is coming. Although sometimes with Samsung and Apple particularly, we'll start to get the rumor is the announcement of the announcement was coming on Tuesday. Uh, and that gets a little silly. But but yeah, I think that's fair. Like tell people like, hey, maybe know this to hold off because we might be getting X, Y, or Z. Uh, it helps make a, a purchasing decision. That's a great point, Michael. There was definitely a, a moment in a, during the Apple conference this week or the stage presentation where they were talking about a whole lot of features that, to me, absolutely point to the idea that the next set of phones are all going to be Face ID based. They're going to be iPhone 10s and beyond, and that they're going to phase out what the 8 and uh, others like it are. And if if you the problem is I had to decrypt that on my own, right? I kind of had to go, oh well, this these big changes in iOS eleven or twelve definitely point in that direction. So in my own head, I'd go, oh well, that would mean I, I definitely don't want to get an eight right now. Uh, I, I should wait and see what they do for hardware announcements later this fall or this summer or whenever they're going to do it. And the problem is that you kind of have to do that on your own, and you, you gain that knowledge over time after dealing with a company like that for that long. I completely agree. It'd be nice if we had. I don't know. Just more to go on, you know? 
Yeah, I, I I assume that that that's just the beat of Apple, right? They're going to have the Face ID and everything out. That's how they usually do it. They put it in a, a phone and they let it trickle down. So, so right. yeah, I, I think that's smart. On the other hand, the time to buy a new device is when your old device doesn't work anymore. And to me, if you have to wait a week to replace it, yeah, that makes sense. But if you, I wouldn't wait six months to replace it. You're halfway through. I mean, there's always going to be a new device coming out. Yeah, that's true. That's just my way of looking at it. Well, thank you, Michael. Um, good to, you know, keep us reminded that uh, people do care about rumors to a certain extent, but we don't have to go too crazy, uh, especially when, you know, something like WWDC happens and we all say, eh, it's kind of what we already thought was happening. So that's uh, that sort of speaks to your point. Also, thanks to Scott Johnson for joining us this lovely Wednesday. Mr. Frog Pants, how is life for you? Well, things are good, and in fact, there's a rumor going around that the uh, the website is completely updated and done, and that is absolutely correct. If you go to frogpants.com right now, you'll find everything, uh, shows, the comics, and all of its archives are now finally up. Uh, the blog's functioning. Everything's working great and very, very happy with it. Brand new store up there. So if you have any interest at all in anything I'm doing, that's your home base. Go to frogpants.com, and for all my other random ramblings, follow me on Twitter at Scott Johnson. And thank you to the folks that support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash DTNS. Uh, all the monthly perks are out, uh, and the invites have been sent for the Slack, and the Discord is available if you're new. Uh, go check that out. Uh, you can find the information by logging into Patreon at patreon.com slash DTNS. We thank every single person who supports us. And if you want to support us even a little more, or if you can't support us regularly on Patreon, but you'd like to do a one-time support, uh, there's all kinds of ways to do that. You can find it at dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. Our email address, if you have questions, comments, ideas, or the like, please send it to us. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. If you'd like to join us live, we'd love to have you. Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.